Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network and episode 22 of Greens with Envy, the podcast where Guy Cipriano and I talk about the courses we've seen, the people we've talked with, the things we've learned in the last month. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry, joined today not by Guy, who is out and about on a vacation and perhaps somewhere at or near the highest point in the state of Texas, but by one of our two great sales gurus, Andrew Hurricane Hatfield. If you are an advertiser or a friend of the magazine, a regular reader, you have probably seen his name uh, in the credits at the front of the book. Maybe you've talked with him during one of his many, many thousands of phone calls uh, with us over the last couple of years. If you are a regular listener to the Superintendent Radio Network, you might remember him from an April podcast where he detailed his first real forays into the game of golf. Andrew was not a golfer before he came to the magazine, before he came to GIE. He is an excellent bowler, but he was not much of a golfer. That has changed. The April episode kind of detailed his early steps getting clubs, going to the range, maybe playing a few courses. But Andrew, now you have your rookie year under your belt, and like so many millions of golfers who have come to this game over the last year or so, really because of the pandemic, you seem to be more comfortable. You seem to be more of a golfer. So first off, welcome back to the Superintendent Radio Network. And uh, and, and tell me, now that you are no longer a golf rookie, what are your impressions of your first real season out on the course? Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, you know, over 2020, 19 courses later, hmm. it has been an incredible journey. And it's it's one of those crazy things, too, where I can remember back, like the very first course I played, how I felt, you know, obviously my performance, but then you know, how I was taking in the game and the things I would notice or not notice on the course the first time around because there was just so much going on. And like you said, over 19 courses, there's a comfort level that comes with that. And there's a a mental state that allows you to take in more things, notice more things on the course. And you know, as well as I do, a lot of times when we golf, we like to walk because mm-hmm. you really take in the environment and you understand, you know, what's going on around you and you can work backwards from there. And I think one of the biggest things that I've learned over 19 courses over my rookie year was course management. Hmm. And I think that's really important for the rookie golfer to kind of focus on um, in their journey as well. Just knowing what's ahead of you knowing what's ahead of you um and you know as i'm a big guy i'm a big visual learner so youtube has been you know one of my go-to resources in addition to all my friends and and everybody here at golf course industry um but it's working backwards from the green and understanding what your shots are in the beginning i felt like i was trying to mimic too many people when realistically I should just stay in my lane and just know what I can do and what I can't do. You know, if I watch one of my friends, you know, hit a five iron, 210, 215, 
and I try working backwards from the whole using their yardage, it's, it's not going to work. And, um, and I think that's where, you know, you can start to become frustrated and you can easily avoid that again, by just staying in your lane and knowing what you can do, what you can't do. And, and just doing the best you can with your abilities. These are your friends who are golf pros. Cause you have, you have a couple friends, I think who are golf pros, right? I do. Um, and you know, there's a, and even beyond that too, there's a lot of my friends that are, you know, shooting, you know, high thirties, mid to high thirties for nine. So, you know, you kind of know that those guys are good and, you know, and again, those, those are the types of players that understand, you know, what they have to do to hit that score. So how did you come? Because you sound much more like a golfer than you did in the April episode, eight months ago now. It was April 30th on the Superintendent Radio Network. Uh, I think it was called Golf is Incredibly Tough and Awesome. Uh, how did you come to this point where you became more comfortable? How much time did you spend out on the range, uh, working on your short game? You mentioned you did go to to Top Golf and, and those facilities a couple times before really the pandemic got into full roar. Yeah, um, it's it's an addiction, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the love for the game, and you know, it's a deep appreciation for the game. And I think if there's one thing that COVID did, not only did it kind of push me out of my comfort zone onto a course, because as you know, the reason I initially went onto a course was because COVID had shut everything down, but courses. So I was like, you know what? If I'm going to take the leap, now's the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this game really gave me a lot this year. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of new golfers and avid golfers that would say this. Like, it gave me a sense of normalcy. It it, it provided a lot of mental health breaks uh, for me. So that's what kind of made it easy for me just to say, hey, I'm going to go to the range today. Hey, I'm going to just go on to the putting uh, you know, go to the putting green and just put in, you know, a hundred or so balls. And that's, that's, I think what made it easy for me to put the work in and continue to do that. And, you know, I, even right now I feel antsy cause I, I want to go play. And, <laughs> uh, you know, my fiance bought me a putting green to put in the living room. Now she probably is not that happy that it hasn't been rolled up once. It's just sitting in the middle of the living room. It's a new carpet. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. It's a new, you know, it's, it's decor. Yeah. So you are, you really are, according to, I think it was 43% of respondents to our state of the industry survey and our January issue, the state of the industry issue will be out online uh, later next week. Great scope of really everything that happened over the last year. Um, I think about 350 respondents or so. Uh, and, a, and a good secondary story, and I wrote it, uh, that we'll get into here in a few minutes about what golf needs to do to keep new golfers. But one of the questions we asked superintendents and agronomy directors and other folks who filled out the survey was, what is the most important age and gender demographic to the future of your club? And it was children, uh, 18 and under, men, 19 to 39, women, 19 to 39, men, 40 and older, women, 40 and older. And the percentage of families and the percentage of women 
who were out on the course in the last year has gone up, both anecdotally and statistically. But you are part of, overwhelmingly, what turf pros think is the most important demographic still for the club, which is 19 to 39-year-old males. You are almost exactly right in the middle of that year. What, you're 27, 28? 28. 28. So almost exactly right in the middle there. Uh, So do you think the game is going to be an important part of your life here now moving forward? Uh, I mean, you've, you're still a bowler, but I mean, you've invested time, you've invested money, you have a putting green in your living room. Uh, are you going to back up that statistical uh, confirmation that uh, that you are part of the most important demographic right now for the future of golf? Which, take it for what it's worth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, some of the things that especially courses around us offer that I feel is important to not only keep people coming back, but to continue to introduce new golfers Mm -hmm. is the par threes, is the shorter courses. Um, Because those courses allow for you to feel comfortable without dragging it out for six or seven hours. Because, you know, in the beginning of my golf journey, especially if a couple, the first couple courses, and, and my friends will attest to this, I got really mad. I got really frustrated <laughs> and, you know, throwing these, these like mini tantrums that Your are just, unex- is Hurricane. yeah, just uh, like, that's completely unacceptable. And I think it was like, maybe after like the third course, I was like, you know what? Like I'm frustrated because I care about the game and I'm frustrated because I want to get better. And those are good things, but you know, I think another lesson that I learned throughout 19 courses is you just got to have fun with it Mm -hmm. and you just need to stay calm and collective. You can't go above the line or below the line and stay there for too long. You can't be down on yourself, but you also can't be too excited for long because as you know, there's, there's always another hole. The most important hole is the next hole. The most important shot is the next shot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another big takeaway. Um, but back to, you know, what we were originally talking about, I I think courses around here have done a really good job in providing those, um, you know, those avenues for new golfers. And I think that's, what's going to keep people like myself coming back. Like I'm, I'm already addicted. I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in for the long haul. I'm already looking forward to when Ohio weather allows us to <laughs> to, to jump back in. Hopefully, maybe that's March, but um, yeah. How many weather apps do you have on your phone now to kind of forecast when the rain's coming, how much rain is coming, when when the hourly temperature is going to increase three degrees, so it'll be a little more comfortable in the range? Enough apps that my iPhone lasts about three hours without the <laughs> charge, so we'll just add it to the list of list of problems there what are you looking forward to whenever the weather does allow it you know to courses to to open back up to ramp back up because i mean you've got your book in front of you i mean you clearly want to add to this book and i, I want to hear about these courses here in a few minutes but what are you looking forward to for year two well um definitely playing uh new courses uh adding adding more to my list um Playing with more people too, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't realize, you know, I, I guess I realized to some extent how much P 
people love to golf, but you know, obviously when I previously when I was not a golfer, the subject or the the conversation didn't really come up. But now that I'm addicted to it, like I have so many people in my network that I'm looking forward to playing with. There's so many advertisers that when we're allowed to travel again that I would love to play with, mm-hmm. see new places and I think that's the biggest part of golf I love too is the camaraderie with your friends or camaraderie with new people. Like if you're paired up with, you know, two other people that the complete strangers, like depending on what their vibe is, like you can either, you know, just continue to play your game or that's a chance to meet somebody new and, and, you know, maybe, maybe a friend you don't know, but it's, uh, it's that environment and it's that, again, that, that comfort level of being on the course and just doing something that you know everybody collectively loves. There's a great quote in the secondary story in the State of the Industry package, Break On Through, and what golf can do to hold on to these new golfers. And for the life of me, I cannot remember if it is from Forrest Richardson, the current president of the ASGCA, or if it was from uh, Troon COO Bruce Glasgow or Kemper Sports CEO, um, uh, Stephen Skinner. It was one of those three, I think, that they said the difference between newer golfers and maybe previous generation or two, there used to be much more of an emphasis on where you played and getting those top-notch conditions, almost those Augusta-style conditions. Everybody wanted Augusta. Well, nobody can have Augusta. But those top-notch agronomic conditions and now there's much more of an emphasis on who you're with on making it an experience with your friends rather than just where you are you seem to be very much entrenched in people and friends and experiences over just where am i well yeah exactly and and the biggest thing to that point is as a new golfer too everybody has their own way of doing things. There is hardly anyone that mimics the same shot, mimics the same swing, mimics the same thinking as another person. So the opportunity for me to pick the brain of potentially three other golfers with me on a different course is, I don't know, it's it's fascinating to me. And again, I think a lot of, there's a lot of things in life that, are dependent upon like relationships. And for me, I think golf is one of those to enjoy something with other people um, is important to me. Well, we will get out for a round at some point in early 2021, but right now you've got your book open. This is ostensibly a podcast about golf courses that we have played and Guy and I haven't really been to many golf courses in the last month or two. You've got a book of courses that we haven't really talked about. So let's go through, just rattle them off, and then let's go through some of your favorite rounds, or if you can remember them, some of your favorite holes as well. Yeah, so I have uh, Ridgewood Municipal Golf Course in Parma, Ohio. Uh, Washington Learning Center, which was my first nine-hole course in Cleveland. Uh, Little Met Golf Course in Cleveland. Duck Creek Golf Club in Warren, Ohio. Riverview Golf Course in Newton Falls, Ohio. Bristolwood Golf Course in Bristol, Ohio. Seneca Golf Course in Cleveland. Brentwood Golf Club in Grafton, Ohio. 
Brookledge Golf Club in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Ellsworth Meadows Golf Club in Hudson. Mm -hmm. J.E. Good Park Golf Course in Akron, Ohio. Uh, Fowler's Mill Golf Course in mm -hmm. Chesterland, Ohio, which the all of the golf course industry staff got to play. That is a that is a favorite, and that is a that's a Pete Dye design. It is. That's a, that's a nice little course. Shawnee Hills Golf Course in Bedford, Ohio, where I got to play not only their 18, but then their par three course. Hmm. Uh, Sugar Bush Sugar Bush Golf Club in Garrettsville, Ohio. Turkey Foot Lake Golf Links in Akron, Ohio. Northwood Golf Course in Warren, Ohio. Thunderbird Hills Golf Club, the North Course in Huron. Cranberry Hills Golf Course, also in Warren. And Bunker Hill Golf Course in Medina. It's a heck of a list for your first year. A lot of traveling, but yeah. again, when it's something that you enjoy, you just you just roll with it. Well, and keeping it fairly local. It's all yeah. in Ohio because of the pandemic, obviously. We're not going anywhere. Um so let's go through again, you don't have to play favorites, but what are some of the what are some of the courses or even some of the holes that really stand out in your mind that you remember during these early, early dark days when it's you know dark by four thirty or five o'clock? You think I wish I could be out there. I wish I could be playing. What courses or what holes are you thinking about, Andrew? So for couple reasons je good park was one of my favorites uh number one that was the first par that i scored hmm. on their par three i think number four or five i could be wrong um but that is you know where i achieved that um and the second reason being they offer uh you know a great uh daylight uh offer like at you know 10 or 15 bucks after five o'clock you can walk you know <laughs> as much as you want um until dark um and it's a really really nice course kind of set up in the middle and, and i obviously i went to the university of akron so i kind of like to contribute back uh to the area go zips and it was a really nice course set up in the middle of the city and if you didn't if you weren't a golfer or if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't even know it's there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the beauty and what makes it special. And I think uh, Washington Learning Center is the same way. It's literally in the middle of city limits and you, you know, you're surrounded by houses, but yet you have this, you know, beautiful course in the middle of something you wouldn't expect. So J.E. Good Park was one of my favorites. Um, do you still have the scorecard with your first par on it? I have a lot of scorecards. I don't know if I have that one. Ugh. A lot of times, I'm really bad about keeping scorecards if I'm walking. Okay. Um, but on that point, I really felt that a lot of times the, the courses and the rounds that I were playing walking and not keeping score were the, were, were the rounds that I did the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Guy I and I that. would be walking nine and he would be keeping score. And I, you know, I would, I had a sight out of mind. And when we looked back at this, you know, scorecard, I'm like, wow, like I, I did fantastic. Why is that? Oh, probably because I wasn't worried about anything but the next shot. You weren't pulling your pencil out 
every four or five or six strokes writing in a number on your card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Just focusing on the game and, like you said, keeping the entire course ahead of you, proper course management, not writing down anything yeah. on the card. Yeah. So that was that. That's a uh, that's one of my favorite places. Um, Thunderbird Hills Golf Club in Huron. So um, this is something I, I drove about an hour and twenty minutes to get out there because um, I had met a friend halfway from Mommy Toledo. Hmm. Uh, and what an incredible course! Not only was I playing this course in late November with perfect conditions and 58 degrees in Ohio, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. But it was a course that was very forgiving in the fact that they have um, no bunkers. And the reason for this, and it was cool because this is a situation, again, where you know I, we had the opportunity that the course was completely backed up and booked, which was nice to see in November in Ohio. And we had the opportunity to talk to a member that was in front of us. And the member, you know, kind of gave us a little course history. And 20 years ago, Thunderbird Hills had invested a lot of money in irrigation. So that's what allows for what I thought was perfect conditions in November in Ohio mm -hmm. for people to play. And, you know, he uh, really expressed his... Uh, gratitude and how much he loves the course because he's virtually able to play all year um, but another situation where you know you meet a stranger and you get to learn something and you know just kind of bond with and it's nice when you know the person in front of you too during the round so that you know in case like maybe maybe you hit up on them a tiny bit but you know they know it's not intentional and it again it goes back to the comfort of the round out of those 19 courses you mentioned a few short courses you mentioned a few nine holes how many of those 19 did you play because you mentioned earlier the importance of short courses and uh, and nine holes and and alternate experiences to the 18 hole championship length you know par 72 par 71 73 golf course experience how many of those were were something else besides the 18 i would say I think about three or four of them. Okay. Um, but again, those were I felt I felt like those were just as important as the eighteen, not only because of the time factor, because it's nice when you maybe you, you got plans or something else to do and you know, it's it's a it's a quick quick way to still get your work in. Um but I mean, I, I enjoyed them just as much, and I felt like that there was a lot of emphasis on the course design and the playability of that nine. I ask because the current and the immediate past president of the SGCA, uh, Forrest Richardson and Jan Beljan, respectively, both made points uh, in a story in our January issue. Um, Jan Beljan fantastic such great perspective and Forrest has great perspective as well uh Jan made the point uh that golf needs to offer what's called the tasters portion whether it's nine holes or short courses or a better practice area or uh, better range just any way to bring people in and Forrest whose daughter Haley Lou Richardson is a fairly prominent actress uh, Disney Channel alum quite a few 
big name movies to her credit, The uh, Edge of Seventeen with Haley Steinfeld, probably the biggest one. So Forrest is really tuned in to Hollywood and all the different things Hollywood is doing and the entertainment industry is doing. And he made the point that golf needs to be more like Amazon Prime or Netflix, where maybe you have those great two- or three-hour movies, but then you also have the great six- or eight- or ten-part miniseries that people can binge, and they can watch for six hours in a row, or, if they want, they can watch for 45 or 50 minutes. The same rule applies to golf courses. That great 18-hole, four- or five-hour experience, or something that could last an hour or two hours. I'm going to sound biased right now, you know, talking how talking about how great our magazine is, but I think that those quotes and what he's saying is completely accurate. Yeah. You know, I, I think another thing that really is, you know, a positive thing for new golfers with the par three courses, or like you said, the taste testers, like the smaller, uh, the smaller events is kind of the mental aspect of it meant like exhaustion. Like, so you have to build up to 18 holes. Yeah. If I know, you know, that I'm heading into nine, it's great knowing that I can, I can really, really focus for two to three hours. Um, now when you play your first 18, I was very surprised at how not physically exhausted, but just the, I don't know, just the exhaustion of, I think it was like whole 13 or 14. I vividly <laughs> remember just being like, wow, like this is, this is a lot. Um, yeah. And I think, well, you know, and also that was a fresh, you know, that was one of the frustrating first three <laughs> uh, rounds, but it was, it was a, a surprise to me how much it took out of me. But, but now that I know something like that, it's nice, especially when I want to work on certain things and, you know, I'm even getting to the point where I'll only take like three clubs out on a par three because I want to focus on certain clubs. And I think that's an important progression for a new golfer to have that option. I talked with so many different types of people in the industry for the state of the industry package, but I didn't really talk because we don't cover the playing of golf or professional golf. I didn't talk with any golfers. So Andrew, you are still a new golfer going into year two here. What, in your opinion, can golf do to, and I'll leave you with this question, what do you think golf can do to hang on to so many of these new golfers who came to the game in the last year? I mean, from my experience, I I think it's continue to do the things that you're doing. I think it's, you know, the, the clubhouse perception I think it's the, you know, the welcoming of new members, the vibe. I think it's, you know, your ability to book tea times and and your, you know, your website and making things very easy and adaptable. And, um, and again, I think it's the offerings that you have um, as far as your facility and some of the amenities that come with that. But um, to be honest, you know, I, I think golf is, you know, doing so well that I think it's keep doing the things that you're doing to provide that comfort to new golfers. And, you know, I, I'm really excited for the upcoming season. I, I think I've probably brought on 
three to five new golfers myself. And I think that's the biggest thing too. It's what can, what can your club do to make that experience so great for that person that word of mouth takes care of the rest? Hmm. Especially if it's more of a, obviously a public or municipal setting. Yeah. And, and, and I think that goes with the, you know, making it comfortable for people to visit, making it comfortable for people to try it out. And then, you know, maybe I'm biased, but I got hooked from the, from the very beginning. But, you know, I, again, I, I really couldn't thank golf enough for the, or for the, for what it provided me during COVID. And, you know, I'm looking forward to taking all that time and energy and trying to double it this year and work on my game. And we're coming up on a big couple of years for you getting married. Now, I guess it's next year, technically, because it's 2021. You're getting married in 2022. You might be buying a house uh, in the next couple of years. Yep. Who knows? Kids beyond that. Take your time. No rush. But at what point, because you sound very serious, at what point do you think you're going to become a member at some club? Going from no golf whatsoever <laughs> to having a sitting, uh, a standing tea time, you know, well, 10 o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> I think uh, it's a uh, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so I guess we'll see uh, what she allows. No. Um, well, she got you a putting green. Why don't you just take her along and, and, and you can golf together? And and she's actually another one that uh, we're getting ready to buy her a new set okay. um, and get her out on the course as well because I, I just feel that she would really enjoy it. But I think – I. I I think that would be um, a 2022 endeavor as well. I think okay. that'll be the because the only reason I say that is there are so many things about my game still that you know I I want to improve upon to where I'm proficient enough to navigate a a course as a member and also to be honest I'm I'm enjoying visiting new clubs I'm enjoying um, seeing new places and and playing with different people. And I feel that if I was a member somewhere that I would feel pretty obligated to, to be there quite a bit. And when you're paying, I mean, you, you want to yeah. put the membership cost to good use. Yeah. Sure. So, um, you know, I actually been looking into some, uh, some memberships where there's multiple courses involved. Mm. And I think that would be very interesting and intriguing to me. Um, but to answer your question, I think yeah, I think that's a 2022 thing for many reasons. But I'm definitely looking forward to a season where I can add to this book of of courses. Well, I feel like when we do part three of the Hurricane series, your book will be well beyond 19 courses. Andrew Hurricane Hatfield, one of the two great sales wizards, sales gurus for Golf Course Industry magazine. He makes the magazine. Uh, look good with some great ads. He makes the website look good with some great ads. Very, very personable guy. Always good to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Golf Course Industry is produced by Guy Cipriano and me, Matt Lowell. Our columnists are wonderful Terry Buchan, Henry DeLozier, Bradley S. Klein, Tim Morgan, and Matthew Wharton. We have some fantastic regular contributors, too. Tyler Bloom, Trent Bouts. Lee Carr, Ron Furlong, Judd Spicer. You'll see those three names in our January issue. John Torsiello, Anthony Williams, and Rick Wolfel. 
Our publisher is Dave Zai. Our sales wizards are Russ Warner and Andrew Hurricane Hatfield. You just listen to him for a half an hour. Jim Blaney designs the magazine. He does a fantastic job. We hope you think so, too. Kate McCoy makes sure everything goes where it should. April Braden and Christina Warner make sure you all receive the magazine. Christina also makes sure Russ doesn't spend too much time watching the playoff-bound Cleveland Browns. Kelly Antle makes sure we all get paid. Michaela Dodrell handles advertising and production. Irene Sweeney does more than we can ever keep straight. Stephen Webb handles our classifieds. Our president is Chris Foster. Happy New Year to him and to all of you. We couldn't do what we do without you. Thanks so much for listening.